1: Welcome to another episode of the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host, Juan. Today we talk to one of my good friends, Eddie Diaz. Eddie is a father, he does cybersecurity, he's an MMA guy, crypto guy, and a knife maker. He does it all. Eddie's one of the uh more interesting people that I know, and every time we have a conversation, it uh it really gets deep. So, on this episode, we talk about theology, conspiracies meditation fatherhood crypto mma and life like i've said before i like to break down people's creative processes and why they do what they do and their views on on a lot of things on art life whatever it may be and this is one of those examples Again, without further ado, this is The Pursuit of Purpose with Eddie Diaz. All right, Eddie, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you on, dude. Thanks. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. So I want to have you on because you're probably one of my smarter friends. <laughs> um, and usually when we have a conversation, it's 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 pretty good. And uh, I want to talk to you about a few things today. Um, 'Cause when we were talking on the phone that one day you had mentioned how you don't like your job, you know, and I thought that you were like all about your job. So before we begin, I'm gonna ask you a question that I ask everybody who, who comes on the show, and I, I feel it sets the tone, and you know, we don't get asked this question enough,
2: I don't think. So uh who is Eddie Diaz? Eddie Diaz. I am a father, I am a fighter. And I am a, my head anyway, an artist, right? I, I like to uh, express myself in many different ways in art, martial arts and actual arts and the knife making and all that stuff. So yeah, first and foremost is uh, family. And the one other thing I wanted to get at just hearing, you know, you saying don't like my job. I always seem like I'm about my job and it's because I am right. I, I got that discipline through my stepfather, you know, he was always a hard worker, always showed me how to work and, and provide for your family. So um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I, I find more joy in the artsy stuff, right? I, I do network security. That's my background. Um, I got a big troubleshooting base when I was uh, in the Air Force, right? Did my time there. I fixed uh, F-16s. And I just found out I was good at that. I was good at figuring things out, figuring complex things out. And uh, fixing them, so I guess it's always that balance finding what you're good at and then finding what your passion is, and then there's always that back and forth with that, right
1: yeah, and, and as a father as well, I can relate I remember when I when I told you I was gonna have a son because uh, I know you have I know you have kids, and it does it changes your mindset when you do have kids, and a lot of people don't realize that having kids it's not a bad thing you know a lot of people associate it with it being bad and it's not it's it's an experience that I feel everybody should have but there's some people who just aren't about it you know because they feel like oh I'm not gonna have freedom this and that it's like it's not like you're not gonna have freedom it's just it's a different lifestyle you know and uh yeah so what got you into the network stuff the the technology side of everything
2: I mean, I still am very interested in a bunch of technology stuff, right? I think me and you, uh, we've talked a bunch about cryptocurrencies and I always find technology fascinating. Um, You know, just everything, everything with computers. You know, when I was, again, when I was in the Air Force, just seeing the fighter jets and seeing how they built them and all the avionics that, you know, goes into it to let this thing, you know, fly in the air and be you know have uh for the f-16s it was air to ground superiority um i was just fascinated like who the hell came up with this shit this is crazy so always uh, technology is still very fascinating to me and a passion to me um you know with the daily job though it's like everything else you do the same thing every day for years it gets kind of monotonous but um yeah technology always find very fascinating
1: it's what you what you to touch on what you said earlier finding that balance and that's so hard because you know ev- obviously everybody wants to to have a job doing something that they enjoy right but obviously with necessities and stuff like that and, and and obligations in a sense you don't have to do you know you always have a choice but i always talk about this that people they they fall in this routine and and, and again it's it's understandable because you have bills to pay everybody does but i feel like people don't get up and and do what they want to do you know what i mean like they just stay stuck in the same thing it's like new year new me it's like but what are you going to do this year to to change you know, it up to change it up and that's and you talk about art and i feel everybody needs a form of expression like that's why i started this podcast but you know i've done a bunch of stuff dude like the cnc stuff oh uh, yeah fishing, i thought it was bunch super
2: diff- fascinating
1: yeah so but the thing is like i'm not I've done so many things, but I'm not passionate about it. And I'm notorious for starting things and not ending them. And that's one of the things that my dad's always like been on me about, like, Oh dude, you always start something and you don't ever finish. It's like, but I'm trying to find myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to find that thing. So, uh, with the podcast, you know, I can talk to different people. I can talk to people like you and I've met a bunch of different people. That's like, that I can see their view on everything, you know? and, And I enjoy, you know, the, the long conversation, obviously you listen to Joe Rogan and, and, um, you know, he's obviously the biggest podcast there is, but all the different people that he talks to and all the crazy knowledge that, that they bring, you know? Oh yeah. I so, found that
2: stuff super fascinating. Even you doing this podcast, um, even doing the CNC stuff, I thought it was super fascinating that you took it to the level that you did. Right. Yeah. When, um, I first, met, first met you just meeting up at your place. It was kind of like a compound, Yeah. you know, <laughs> going there and you have this whole CNC set up. Um, I thought that was super fascinating and that's why i i do those other things right I did um, mma right but with a full-time job while taking care of a family you know because i just like you said that's that was my balance right I make my money one way um, but I find balance in other things the knife making was the same way and uh, you know in the future I do look at me trying to do something with cNC work you know just making knives making tools just again another way to express yourself
1: uh b- before we get any deeper uh eddie what is your instagram because eddie does make custom uh edc tools and custom uh fixed blade knives he's eventually going to get into the cnc stuff to make foldables and stuff like that Uh what's your instagram uh eddie so that people
2: can know macho blades on instagram go check it out got a bunch of uh like he said edc tools custom knives that i make and yeah, just have a fun time doing that stuff, expressing myself, kind of got wild designs. I have more of like a graffiti background. So yeah, it's, again, de- it's definitely RC different.
1: Style. And that's what I like about it. And, you know, that's one thing I talk about on the show, people's creative processes and, and how they get there. Um, so obviously you have a military background. What
2: what was that like? Uh, and And what did you take from it all? Oh, I mean... I thought the military, you know, when you're going through it, everything sucks, right? When you're going through it. But I look back now and it was a great moment in my life. Um, Taught me a bunch of discipline, right? Um, I made lifelong friends. And then I learned a lot of life skills and even technical skills, right? That's where I really got. I I went in when I was 17 years old, right? So I didn't know anything. I came straight from high school, knew absolutely nothing. And after a year, I was helping fix F-16, you know, $20 million jets, So, um, yeah, it was it was a great experience. I mean, like I said, lifelong friends. I still um, reach out and communicate with my friends that I made in the Air Force. Right. We all went through that suffering together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of brings everybody close together. So, yeah, it was a great experience.
1: I have a friend who just uh, I think he just left the Navy. And I think we talked about it, how it's like he's gonna go work somewhere now and it's like but i'm like dude you you hated the he only was in for four years you hated the whole time you were there now you're out you have a family you have a wife you have a kid and now you're gonna go work at some place that doesn't even have anything to do like like what did you get out of that you know and then you know you have people who talk about well i'm gonna be i'm gonna do my four years and afterwards i'm gonna uh say that i can't get it up because uh i'm depressed and and you know file for uh disability. disability you have those type of people you know what i mean that that and again i can understand but you you have to work the system in a way but at the end of the day we're paying for that you know,
2: yeah, no, I feel all that shit comes back to you, to be honest with you. And that's why I've never I've had a, a bunch of my military friends that actually had, you know, disabilities hurt their back. And they would say, hey, Eddie, you could just go just say you're depressed and say this. And I'm like, uh, that's again, my stepdad was such a big influence in my life. He um, he always told me, you know, like those type of things come back to you, whether you know it or not, that you know, that is going to come back to you, right? People call it karma, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, I think that stuff comes back to you. And The fact that I, you know, I got out of the military, I was fine. You know, no big issues. You know, there has been people that have big, you know, big issues. But for me, I never wanted to go down that route. I just feel like that's uh, the wrong path. Yeah. Personally, for me anyway, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. what you do. And then now, and that's why I try to, I feel that as long as you're not hurting anybody with what you do, then more power to you. You know what I mean? Like if if you spread positivity and, and you do good things and then, then that's cool. My issue is when it starts to either hurt somebody or, or especially children, because, and I said this before, you know, there's a special place in hell for people who, who hurt kids and, you know, you have these pedophiles and stuff like that. And I feel we're headed in a in a way in society that we're looking to and again if it's a it can be a conspiracy whatever you want to call it that we're looking to accept these different ideologies and and i feel that we are in that way because if you accept one you have to accept them all you know what i mean and yeah it's
2: crazy i mean you're just talking about you know pedophile stuff i mean just look at the catholic church i mean that's well documented Bro, um,
1: they're the biggest pedophile
2: ring out there now do they do some great things and help a lot of people yeah it's just weird how that works right on no, no, one no. side but of the they, thing they can they have brave. to though
1: they right. have to you like like the freemasons you know the the checkerboard floor it's evil and good and that's there, there has to be a balance and they have to do good to to almost outweigh the evil that they do but you're right you know it, it they, Gosh, it's crazy it's crazy dude and and I've been today, especially I, I I dove into this wormhole because tomorrow I'm doing an episode with this uh, esoteric uh, uh, researcher guy, and um, I was looking into. Uh, he writes blogs and stuff, and, and it gets it gets it gets really dark really quick. And today I went into this to this wormhole, man. And wow. at the, yeah, dude, I went in and I and I'm still in there, and I'm like, what? is happening you know you you mentioned the vatican and stuff and right now you know the, the church for example uh at the vatican right now at the front of the vatican dude there is a statue of moloch and moloch is the god of child sacrifice and they have a mm. statue dude of this at the entrance of the vatican
2: i have to check that out
1: no uh, look I it up right happened, now bro that. look it up right now it's literally there. And in the Bible, you know, it talks about, uh, you know, Jesus says, don't uh, offer your kids up to Moloch. And what are these elites in the Bohemian Grove? What do they worship? They worship this big statue of what they say is Moloch, this this deity that they see as uh, the and they do this effigy. You know, they do it like they burn a person. And it's like, wait a minute, dude, what is what's up with this? You know?
2: Yeah, that Bohemian. I I went down that rabbit hole, Bohemian Grove. That's pretty crazy. But you know, that's why you know the uh, what Christians would be right or the Protestants. Martin Luther he split away from the Catholic Church when it was time. At that time, you'd be killed for that, right? And that's yeah, how Christianity political. or Protestantism um, came is from Martin Luther. And yeah. he just like no, like what you guys you guys are a big money ring amongst all the other crazy stuff you do. And the big thing that helped him get that out, it was right around the time of um, the printing press. So he could actually get his you know his thoughts out on a piece of paper, mass produce that paper, and spread it and it just shows you like how powerful ideas are and then how powerful technology is and how important it is right because back in that time, there was no way he could have had all the ideas, but the only person that was listening to him were the people at his parish, at his church, right, yeah, but when you can you know use technology to get your ideas out to the masses, uh it's very powerful, and that's where the internet comes right The internet's disrupted everything, but back in that time, it was just the printing press
1: well, talking about technology, I know you're in that in that realm, and uh yeah, Martin Luther, he was one of the people that. That really uh, split apart because he, you know, he said God spoke to him, and and that wasn't the way. But again, the Vatican, dude, and you can look this up. You know, I'm not uh, verify everything because I question everything. Uh, they've even done a ritual called the enthronement the the sat uh, enthronement of Satan at the Vatican. There's talks about this, and you can look this up. And dude, they even have a telescope named Lucifer. <laughs> Look it up. It, the, well, the I avatars. What was his uh,
2: name, right? Was it? They said that Lucifer was his name as an angel. And then when he was cast down is when he turned into Satan, right? Something well, like
1: that. Was something like that. Cause, cause yeah, cause to Satanists, Lucifer doesn't even exist, you know. And Lucifer's only said one time in the Bible. One time. Uh, I mean, Satan's been said a bunch of times, but Luc- Lucifer has been said one time. And, Again, I go into that with this other guy, dude. And on that, um, I was looking in and speaking of Moloch, uh, King Solomon, you know, one of the biggest biblical figures in the Bible. Um, he was known as a magician. He was this man who had all this wisdom God blessed him because he didn't want to to have wealth, so God blessed him with wisdom and the knowledge of nature and the knowledge of everything. So this guy, everybody would come all from all around the world to see this guy talk, right? People from everywhere. And this man, he he ended up having, uh, I think, like a thousand wives or something like that. And eventually, their uh, their his wives had pagan beliefs and stuff like that, and he eventually started to worship Moloch this, this God, this deity of, of, of child sacrifice. And eventually he started to worship that. And that was his downfall. And not only that, but again, this is the son of David, David and Goliath, Goliath, a descendant of the Nephilim. You know what I mean? Like these giants in the Bible and King Solomon, he uh, apparently could summon demons and, and this is the crazy part, dude, that they say that the he built the temple of Jerusalem, the famous temple of Jerusalem. And it was built by these demons that he could control. <laughs> so it's like this crazy yeah, thing I Like nobody talks about. It. Huh? <laughs> I've
2: never heard of that story of Solomon. That's pretty, look, uh, look it up. Interesting. Look,
1: it's there. It's there. Whether you want to believe it or not. But again, it's heretical. So it's again, it's against the mainstream. And I, right, and I right. told you, I don't know. I don't know if I told you, uh, I did an episode with this other guy. Um, we talked about the Gnostics, you know, speaking on the church and and uh, heresy. And obviously Martin Luther was uh, declared uh, heretical after the fact he denied the, the church because, you know, what he thought that they were uh, uh, teaching wasn't the right way. The Gnostics were an early sect of Christianity and eventually the Gnostics were uh, declared heretical after a while because of their beliefs uh they you know obviously at the church there's a structure there's a hierarchy you know you have the pope you have the guy under him the pope talks to the to god every day the guy under him talks to him every other day the guy under that talks to him every other week and so on and so forth and you have to go to the church you have to go to them to be able to to find divinity the gnostics believe we are divine beings you know divinity is within us from the creator and obviously if you're divine and you can in essence become a god yourself that's that's not good for the church because like you're talking about you know they're all about monetary gain and all this stuff if you if you take the 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 power away from them that's when the problem comes in you know what i mean yeah so yeah that's that dude that's a whole uh episode (laughs) yeah
2: dude it it goes because um, obviously, if you've watched Joe Rogan, you've seen Jordan Peterson, yeah. right? So on the other spectrum of things, he his famous saying is, right, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. While there might be a lot of crazy things in there, There's right? some truth to if it. If you just look at – oh, and not just truth. There's some wisdom, right? Because what were the – even if you look at the whole story of Moses and
1: him – Don't get me started um, on Moses, taking, bro.
2: Him taking the people out, <laughs> right? And then – learning a nation like what was he doing where did the 10 commandments come from he was a judge right he's the one that's you know started the nation so after watching what how, how people get together how seeing all these different situations that come up every day right isn't it logical that you would come up with certain rules for people in a society to live how does a society stay a society right mm-hmm following those type of things like the Ten Commandments. So you look at, um, again, the knowledge in there, like what Jordan Peterson said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you just look at a bunch of his, uh, he has like great, great, great uh, videos. I mean, three hours at length where he breaks down. He has a, a series called The Psychological Significance of the Biblical Stories. Really? And he talks about, oh yeah. And he talks about even if you don't, if you look at, Jesus's story as you know a story think about like what are stories for? Stories are are made to teach people something, right? I could tell you I could tell you something right but if I tell it to you in a story it, you remember it better. So like w- look if you look at the story of Jesus, what is it? you know you have to bear your cross at some point in your life, people are going to stab you in the back. You're gonna be accused of things that you didn't do, right but how do you get through that forthrightly? Its you grab your cross, You bear it willingly. He didn't run. He didn't hide. He bared his cross willingly. And that's how you attack life. And then he even talks about the sacrifice of one to another. Like even like uh, what we were just talking about being a father, what a father and a mother have to sacrifice for their children, right? Like you were saying, oh, you can't go out. Yeah, you can't go out. You can't do those things. If you want to be a good parent, if you want to raise a good uh, child, Right. You have to have a certain amount of sacrifice mm-hmm. of your own things for them. Um, so, yeah, there's a if you haven't checked that out, just look at his series. He has man. It's a long series. Each video is like three hours long and they're super Jordan
1: Peterson. What
2: the uh... psychological significance of the biblical stories? I got it. And he actually like breaks down Genesis. Yeah, He breaks down like all the different stories Well, even like uh, little stories, like or not little stories, big stories like Cain and Abel. Yeah. Like, what is that actually showing us? Right. And it's like, how do you look at the world? Why was Cain or why was Abel favored over Cain? And he really looked at the psychological part of it. Maybe the person that always is woe as me. Right. There's never enough. And he, he just goes deep into that where Cain or where Abel gave willingly and he gave happily for Cain to give, it was always, oh, why do I have to give as much? Why do I have to and then when he'd see Abel's blessings, he was jealous of it. Yeah. So it shows that's another lesson, right? Um psychologically, where to be and how those don't fall on these pitfalls. Don't be that same mentality as Cain. Try to have the mentality as Abel, right? Yeah. So really interesting stuff.
1: Well, uh, you know, they say that, you know, speaking of the Ten Commandments that that uh Moses got his from uh from the the Egyptian book of the dead and the the 42 laws of ma you know that they're almost kind of the same thing and they say that they you know they took 10 from there but again i i feel that you know speaking on religion that you know the bible is this manual on life and again like you said if you if you can follow those principles and those principles lead you to live a better life and and again spreading positivity and not because a lot of dark shit in the bible too you know and not, there's not all good in the bible there's all, a lot of dark things as well but the core principle is if that can help you live a better life then then go for it you know what i
2: mean um right the problem is where you get like the ideologues no, right
1: no the, the the problem is when it starts to get uh political you know what i mean and then the like the other day i had somebody yeah, tell like, me if i don't worship uh Jesus, I worship Satan I don't worship Satan, dude, you know, they put you in this box they 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 automatically assume you do another thing it's like no i don't I don't do that oh well, if you don't worship him he's the he's the he's the ruler of the of the material world and you and you worship him if you don't worship Jesus it's like no, i don't, I don't worship Satan, you know what I mean don't put me in that
2: box yeah I don't no. right and the, people always like to do that they like to put you in a box that's why one of the <laughs> Things I like about Jordan Peterson too, when people would question him, say, Do you believe in God? He said, First of all, it's none of your business. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, why why do people ask you that question, right? Because they want to put you in a box. Yeah. And then argue points against the box they put you in. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, definitely. And that's why I said, like, ideologues and zealots, that's where the problem comes in, right? Yeah. I think exactly. we should all try to be better people. But when you try to you know, say things like that. Well, if you don't worship Jesus, you're a devil worshiper. And what does that mean? Now I get to hate you. Now I get to kill you. That's how holy war started. Right. So I don't feel bad in, in killing you now because you're the enemy because you worship this or you worship that. Exactly, it's just yeah. it's crazy. I, yeah, I'm definitely not about that. And I grew up, you know, I grew up in the church. So seeing I saw that part of it, too. And I saw the uh, hypocrisy in a lot of things. But yeah, just like you said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's a lot of wisdom in there.
1: Yeah, um, you know, uh there there's I feel to to these type of things. There is a a mystical comprehension and there's a literal comprehension. And I feel that people take this sometimes a bit too literal when they when they look at things and uh, when it comes to the bible or or some sacred text uh, you know they take it in such a literal sense and it's like right but then if you don't i had this argument with somebody they're like well if you don't know what it means just pray to god and he'll tell you he'll guide you it's like you know it's like yeah, you forcing- can pray to god
2: as long as you want to be a neuroscientist you ain't gonna get there if you ain't putting in no
1: work exactly and that's when you know that's that's when law of attraction comes in, you know, what your words have power, but, but you see that that's the thing with the law of attraction. And and it's the same thing with, with, with prayer, meditate. I know you're into meditation and stuff like that. We'll talk about that uh, uh, law of attraction. Your words have power, prayer, it's saying the same thing over and over again. When you think the same thing over and over again, you get manifestations and in a, in a way, you know, they use these different things to paint. picture that they want to paint you know and and to justify themselves and i'm not and it just it it goes beyond religion you know there's a lot of it's with it's with everything you know it's with the whole world uh especially when you're trying to push a certain ideology and and really work that 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 psychology of 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 people and 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 really get in you know that's one of that's speaking of minds you know a lot of people hate to admit it, but you know Hitler Hitler was one of the greatest minds there was, but he, he wasn't
2: w- a dumb guy. he I'd was a piece of shit.
1: he was a piece of shit, but if he wouldn't no, used-
2: he wasn't dumb, he was not no. dumb no, <laughs> no, he wasn't to, to get a whole nation behind you, the way he orchestrated things, the way he manipulated people incredible. You know, incredible right his symbols the i mean the red, the black, the white, like colors of power, i mean uh, propaganda. I mean, the dude was a you know super smart, but it's almost like that super villain, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, because the mind is is it's it's responsible for the most horrendous things in history and the the most wonderful things in history. You know, I always look at that. It's all how you use it. Just like anything else, you know, you can use uh your your knife to stab somebody. You can use it to cut your steak. You know, it's all how you use it. Um, when talking about this, and we're gonna morph it a little bit. I want to get your input yeah. on this. Um, so obviously, we have all these, uh, what I call, you know, the human conditioning, where you have all these factors that that form uh, an idea since you know, since you're you know, since you're born, an idea in your mind. And I feel that society paints a certain picture when it comes to to what your life should be. Uh, and let me elaborate on that. What you know, what What makes a good life good? Obviously, we're in a materialistic society. Everything's about how much money you have. We're letting all these this piece of paper control us. You know, a piece of paper that's given value through what? You know what I mean? It's like this is worth this much and that's what it is. And that rules our lives. You know, there's people killing themselves because of that. Because of something so simple. We talked about fulfillment, right? and i have had this conversation with with people as of recent because i'm trying to find myself i'm trying to find fulfillment in something whether that be art you know having a creative process doing something you make knives you, you do mma stuff like that when it comes to fulfillment what does that mean to you you know aside from from the conditioning of society that that pain, i feel like people don't truly know what it is to have fulfillment in something because you have all these famous people killing themselves and they're yeah. famous and they got a bunch of money. You know what right. I mean?
2: They have everything you think you'd want, but I think, and that's why um, I love Jordan Peterson so much because he talks about it, he talks about this very thing and, and what's a life worth living. It's a life with purpose. And I think family gives you, I mean, that's one big purpose, right? Why do I get up every day to go to work to do this? Right. I have a purpose. Even if it's just as simple. That's the other thing he says, too, is like people look, they miss God because they look too high. You got to look at the small things. You could find God there. And the purpose, you know, for me and you, right? We have kids. We have to make it happen. We have to do all that stuff. So a purposeful life is you're on the road to find a happy life, right? And it's always that balance between good and evil because nobody's perfect, right? Even if you look at the yin yang symbol, that's what it is symbolizes right you have good right you have evil and what is a a good life it's that balance it's that line in between it's that balance in your life and trying to bring that balance because when you when you go off too much into the good right or try to be too good that's you're going off into too much order right and that could be tyrannical like you do you have to do this over control like all this stuff and then when you go off too much into chaos or evil there's obviously the bad things that happen there too. And to have that good life is that, you know, that middle line in the yin yang symbol, finding that balance and trying to find purpose in this life.
1: Yeah. That's right. I, I, I believe that's, that's the hardest part of, of this all, you know, finding he that here? purpose. I'm going to try and find this quote that I, that I posted on my Instagram page. Um,
2: I like the lasers in the eyes, by the way, in the Instagram page. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Uh,
1: right here, uh, fails or thales. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The most difficult thing in life is to know yourself. And that's, I think that's very powerful because it is true. Um, you know, you do, I, I've done so many things because, and one time I had one time for my job, dude, I was like, I went through depression last year. because of work and it's not my fault because it's the way the market works and and the the industry that i'm in but i remember something happened because i'm depending on employees and uh employee didn't show up or something and i we had been having problems that week and the client calls me and it's like six in the morning dude he's like yelling at me dude he's like oh the guy didn't show up now we're late this and now what's the eta this and now i'm like i'm half asleep i'm like i don't know i kept telling him i don't know i don't know and in a sense i didn't know i was telling the truth because i hadn't talked to the driver right but then he the next thing he tells me and this has been this stuck with me dude he said where's your passion man you know where's your passion for all this you don't care and that really resonated with me because i was like Damn, where the where the fuck is my passion? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where is my passion? And it's crazy. It's it's crazy because are like, you talking about, you know, what makes a good life good. And that that's up to you to find out. Um it's just I'm like Still
2: finding out too, man. And and yeah. just like you said you were you're saying your dad was getting on you for starting something and stopping it. I'm yeah. I'm like the king of that. I've I've oh, done really? so much <laughs> oh yeah, I've done so many different things. I mean, even with, I mean, everything, right? And and it's just like you said. I feel like I'm trying to find myself. I try so many things, and I feel like whatever I put my mind, I can get good at. Like I I have that belief in myself, right? Yeah. I, I wanted to learn how to make knives. I got, you know, pretty decent at making knives. Shout out to my boy Alan Foltz. <laughs> he was my mentor. But yeah, I got pretty good at that to the point where I'm selling knives. I got a knife company to, you know, I got knife deals with big knife companies. Um, And then I slowed down and started focusing more on my IT job. I got more certs. I got this. Then I wanted an MMA fight. So now everything else stops and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, I'm just trying to find myself. I don't know. I don't know what my passion is. I don't know. I'm trying to find it right now. You know, at those moments, those were my passions. That's what All I... How
1: old are you now, Eddie? Because you're older than me. I'm 36. Yeah. I'm about to be 26. So, I mean, imagine that, dude. You're still trying to find your thing. And I've talked to people. I've talked to other people as well who tell me the same thing. They're like, hey, dude, I'm 34, man. I'm still trying to find my way. I'm like, damn.
2: You know? It's um, like Gary Vee says, though. It's It's about the process. And that's what I'm really finding out is there's never going to be... You know you're gonna have moments, right? That's that's like that old uh, cliche they say, like, you know, the past is the past, the future is the future, but the present is a gift. That's why we call it a pre- the present. Yeah, it's a present. Nice. I like that. But um, right. So you gotta enjoy those moments while they happen, and then you gotta enjoy the process, because you know, just like I mean, I mean, you know, it from the CNC stuff. You got joy when you made some cool ass part. But there was a lot of nights where you fucked up a lot of shit and were pissed off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Part of the uh, process. And you got to love the process because to be good at it, you had to go through those things. There's no way you're ever going to just be perfect at anything right off the bat. You know?
1: well, it's like fishing, you know, everybody always sees the picture with the fish. They don't see the eight hours it took you to get that fish, you know, and I, and I had an episode with one of, one of the guys I look up to in the fishing community, and we talked about that. But speaking of, of, of enjoying the process, uh, we'll work this in. What got you into knife making? Because obviously that's that's an art. That's a process in itself, you know, learning the metallurgy and learning how to how to, obviously there's a ton of different metals. Just Uh, like
2: you, man. I just I saw it one time on, and I just thought it was cool as shit. Right? I thought it was. I was like, holy shit! Because I've always liked knives. You know, like most kids growing up, you get a Swiss Army knife. You think you're fucking Rambo. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're like, holy shit! I got a knife. And then your mom tells you not to play with it because you're gonna cut yourself. And then you cut yourself and don't tell her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that happened to me, dude. Now that you say that, that, happened to me when I was a kid. My dad got me a Leatherman. And I was fucking around with it. I first, I'm not going to get it to you. And, dude, I sliced my finger
2: up real good. (laughs) Yeah, that's always how you learn your lesson. And, um, But, yeah, I always thought knives were cool. Then I saw some video of a guy making a knife. And I was like, man, that's dope as shit. Like, he had his own little flavor to it. And then, um, yeah, I just started researching, like, everything else. Just, all right, let me see what I got to do to make my, okay, I got to buy the steel. I got to learn heat treatment. I got to get a grinder. I have to uh, you know, look at different handle materials. I got to get a tapper so I could like I just find it fascinating. And the there's another good part to what, you know, you say you do and you know what I'm explaining, I just jumping around. They say it's great for your brain, right? The one of the reasons when people retire that they say, you know, you retire and you die is they want to just sit down relax and that's probably the worst thing for your brain right the mindless numbing just watching tv shows or whatever yeah. it is to keep your brain active you got to be learning something always learning something new and the great thing about the human brain you right it's it's uh it's the first hyperlink right the human brain you know like the way google works right you type in a keyword and then it puts it gives you all these different results that's the way your brain works right things you learn from your cnc stuff your brain will connect those things to maybe something in fishing or maybe something in your day job, like a lesson you learned, right? Yeah. Um, it'll start to interconnect those things. So the more things you learn, the more interconnected your brain is. And, and the more, you know, the more you keep it active, you keep those neural pathways going.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and that's why I, I, when old people, they go see now real quick when they're not doing shit, because like you said, you're not challenged. You know, the brain's a muscle. And if you don't, if you don't work it like people don't read nowadays and uh, they're so sucked up, you know, technology, it's got th- it's good and it's got it's bad. But, yeah, you know, these people are so sucked up. You know, the worst thing about now is since you're, people are so sucked up into their devices, into social media, into all this garbage. Uh, dude, The worst of it is that everybody texts and drive, bro. and And yeah. people don't even try and hide it anymore.
2: Yeah, no, I don't do that shit. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's crazy um, to see that. I've seen it too, right? Uh, the good thing with working from home, though, is, you know, you're not out there driving too much. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen that a bunch when I'm out there, people just doing that, and that's that's pretty crazy. That's why some states, Florida hasn't, right? I'm not sure they've outlawed it yet, but I know no. in Jersey, in New York, you can't do that shit.
1: It's crazy. Um, so, obviously, you make knives... And you've made some money from that. You're pretty successful with that. Uh, what would you say your view is since, you know, for somebody who wants to do like a side hustle, because obviously that's like your, your, your hobby slash passion slash side hustle. What are your views on that? You know, finding a, a, uh, a side hustle to do.
2: Yeah. I think, again, I think it helps your brain. I think the stuff I learned in knife making helped me with network security. Um Not all of it obviously translates over, but yeah, there's different lessons. That's why even in the Bible they say, uh, "What is the exact quote?" I'm trying to think now. But it's something. Yeah, if you see the if you see the path in one thing, you could see it in everything. Yeah. So it's like once you learn how to master something, you can master anything. And um, so yeah, that's that concept and it helps you right so like all those different things all the stuff that you've done with cnc and fishing that all went and helped you create this podcast too right yeah you're like you know i gotta put in work i gotta do this i gotta do that those are all lessons that you've learned throughout your life to bring that in and i love the side hustle right it it gets you moving they say idle hands can be dangerous (laughs) so yeah you got your job you, you do what you do during the day to provide for your family. And then, you know, you have your little out, whatever, whatever you like. And that's my, I chose my out to actually get me money. Some guys, it's just a money pit. They're out, right? You know. And I was the same way, like with jujitsu and MMA, that made me absolutely no money and took a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you got to pay for classes, you got to pay for gear and same thing with fishing that, you know, right. but. Yeah your time to unwind. I love it because when I'm doing those things, I'm not thinking about anything else, right? When I'm making a knife and I'm grinding, right? I got a fucking piece of steel and it's burning, right? People don't know about that either. When you're grinding the knife, that metal gets fucking hot, right? So I'm constantly dunking it in water. Uh, I'm changing the angle so the grind comes out clean. I'm not thinking about work tomorrow. I'm not thinking about what my boss told me. I'm in the moments. I'm in the present and that's i think everybody needs that type of thing just to help you unwind and i'm pretty sure you get that with fishing right you're just out there you're concentrating you're relaxing you're decompressing from all the bullshit you know yeah
1: and that's the thing i like about fishing because i'm so focused on that next bite as you said i'm not thinking about anything else and uh what i talked to you about dude uh now that we're gonna get into this whole i want to uh, proceed into your mma you know mixed martial i was gonna start brazilian jiu-jitsu Um, Yeah, yeah. but the problem with that is, as soon as I called the place, dude, this guy was like, "I was like, hey, dude, uh, you know what day do you?" (laughs) He told me what day. I said, "What day do you recommend me going?" And he's like, "Every day, bro. Every day you have to come in because you have to be on the mat. You have to put in time." It's like, damn, I, you know, I, I. That's that's one thing I stuck because I have a compulsive personality, and I've worked on it, you know, a lot since I since I've had my family and stuff because obviously it's not about me anymore. You know, it's about right. my fiance. It's about a household. It's about my son. So it's like, I was like, am I really going to commit to that? And I thought to myself, I said, probably not, you know, I have to go in every day. Yeah. Probably the first month I'll be going in, but you know, I'm going to have to get home, go over there, be away from my family. Um, you know, so I was like, you know what? Well, Never thought, mind. Um, yeah.
2: No, that guy scared you away. So the <laughs> that's what they all try to get you to do. Right. I know when, I've, when I did it, right, when I was first started jiu-jitsu, before I ever started MMA, um, I was working. I would go once, maybe twice a week, and even that was great, right? You get a community. Some of my best friends have been guys I met in jiu-jitsu classes, right? You get all that angst out, you know, especially between men, you know, sizing each other up. You have friends, blah, blah, blah. Well, we get to go at it every day. There's no... There's no ego in that way, right? Because you get that slice of humble pie. You can whoop your buddy's ass one day and the next day he could come back, or the next week he could come back and whoop your ass. Yeah. So, again, some of my best friends were from uh, Jiu Jitsu MMA classes. But yeah, I wouldn't be scared of that. I would, you know, they're going to try to get you to go every day, obviously. But going even once a week, that's what I did. I went once a week all the way up to my blue belt. Took me about 10 months to get my blue belt. Um, but You're the one thing that, yeah i'm a purple belt now but really? when i did yeah when i when i first went so it took me about 10 months um i went for 10 months straight i got my blue belt um and then my daughter was born and mm. then all that stopped so then i just stopped going right um so i've been on and off with jiu-jitsu and mma for years now and yeah so i'm a purple belt right now been a purple belt for a couple years again on and off and um yeah. I love it. It's, it's the other thing that it gives you that I felt anyway, is I'm, I'm not a big guy, right? I'm five, seven buck 50. Um, but it gives you a different confidence, right? Cause you're in there with guys way bigger than you and you're like, you know what? I can handle myself. I've put in enough work. It's not like that false ego where, Oh, if some guy comes up to me, I'm going to just do this and I'm going to kick his ass when you don't train, you don't do nothing. You think you're just, I mean, everybody has a puncher's chance, right? But even that, learning how to actually punch and yeah. punch correctly, that takes work, you know? So most most men uh, are kind of delusional in that aspect. Like I've put, you know, thousands of hours into training martial arts, right? So you get a confidence from that where you don't have that, you know, it's rare you find that type of big ego or whatever because, you know, that shit gets beat out of you, you know? Like, that's why you look at the monks, those Chinese monks. They're like the most peaceful guys, but they would just train how to kill each other every minute of the day.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. Or, or or like, I don't know if you watched the fight, uh, Conor McGregor, dude. That guy's, oh, such yeah. a, that guy's such a beast, you know?
2: Yeah, he's a monster. People, they let his mouth, like... I feel he's uh, growing up, though. Yeah, no, he did for this fight, right? Because he, he was going through a lot of stuff, a lot of crazy shit. But... You know, they just think he's a shit talker. But let me tell you, Conor McGregor's put in, you know, thousands of hours into martial arts training. Like he's put in the work and he has some God given talents, right? He got a uh, crazy reach. He got big hands for his weight class. Got a
1: left hand, you
2: know? though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everybody has that. And you see that in the gyms, too. Like some guys just got that power. It's just like a God given thing. Some guys can train all their life and never have that, you know?
1: Well, that's the thing about finding an art. You know, I feel like I've always wanted to draw. And for a time I was practicing, but it's like, yeah, I have to practice it, you know. But there's some people, dude, like certain tattoo artists or people that I know who, Dude, their are ever since I've known them, you know, for five, six, seven years has always been amazing. And they just get better and better. It's like because some people have that talent from the get go. You know what I mean?
2: I think that's the thing where they say, go with the flow. Don't yeah. fight the current. Don't try to be good at something. Be like because water. In your head, right. Because just because in your head, you think it'll be cool to be good at that. Yeah. Try to find your your niche, what you're naturally good at. And then if you find enjoyment in that, then go with that, right? Because then you're going with the current, and you're going to get much better, much faster than people, you know. And, and that's the other thing though too. Like, um, you still can get good at something if you don't have any natural to it. It just takes more time. Um, but yeah, I would I would suggest finding that uh that niche. So obviously
1: that that's how MMA has helped you it helps you psychologically and. Uh, we're going to move into, into Wim Hof, dude. I looked into oh, yeah. this guy. I tried, it doesn't have to, I mean, it's meditation, but I tried yoga and again, I started about a mat. I was doing it here at home, uh, you know, watching YouTube videos with my fiance and stuff just cause I needed, uh, I'm not fat, but like I've since this, since the start of this year, dude, like I've cut off fast food, I've cut off drinking, you know, a lot of soda, I drink more water now because all these all these things going on, dude, you know, in the world and all these things that they put in the food. And it's like when you eat McDonald's, just like drains you. You know what I mean? Like it drains you and you feel like garbage oh, after yeah. you eat it, you know. So I've been Those eating fries, out there. Though. Do what?
2: Those fries are like cracked, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, they've they've. Yeah, because like they've they've compared. uh. You know, even caffeine or processed sugars that are almost as addictive as cocaine, and, and even doctors have said like if caffeine wasn't what it is in drinks now, it'd be prescribed. And again, it's it's out there. But uh, Wim Hof, bro, what what or, or is it Wim Hof or
2: Wim? Yeah, Wim Hof. Yeah, I've, I found him on. Uh, I think a freaking nature. Yeah, I found him on the Rogan podcast too, and his story is pretty amazing. So the whole reason he got his whole big thing right is through breath and cold therapy. Um, the human body is uh, capable of doing way more things than we think, and he's actually changed the textbooks. Like he he showed through those two things how we can actually affect our immune system. We can fight off diseases science didn't think we had any control over that right and he proved that um we do um and then his story of his wife so his wife was super like depressed clinically depressed to the point where she killed herself she jumped off the building left him with all the kids he was a single oh, father shit. and he had a deal with the fact that he nothing he could do could help his wife with her depression So he went on this whole journey himself. He went to all the different religions. He did, uh, he got a lot of the breathing stuff from more of the Buddhist, Hinduism stuff, right? Because they, even with the yoga, right, they have a lot of breath exercises. And then what he found was through the breathing, right, you can um, elicit mystical experiences just through your breath, right? And you can breathe and you can affect your whole mood so when he does these breathing exercises right he's learned and you know people have done this where you can actually control your DMT um, output through your breath through practice right you're not going to get it the first time but you could change your mood you can say I'm not depressed and through these breathing exercises go down these crazy hallucinogenic experiences and he's kind of funny he's a funny guy too he talks about uh, get high on your own supply. So he does these breathing exercises every morning and cold therapy every morning. The cold therapy came in because what is what's the first thing you do when you get into a cold, you know, water is you breathe, <gasps> right? You have no control over it. And then he showed that through the breath, he could make him, his body's warm. Like he could tell through the breath he takes in these deep breaths, and they have put sensors on him. And he can lower his core temperature or um, increase his core temperature just through breathing. Um, That's why he he climbed Mount Everest in his freaking boxer shorts. That's crazy. they, They thought he, oh, no, there's something special in your physiology. He's like, no, give me 10 people. I'll teach them how to do this. And they'll climb Mount Everest with me as well. And it's just crazy to think about that. You hear all those horror stories of Mount Everest, people in all these big coats and all these tents, and he's over there in his boxer shorts.
1: So many dead bodies up there, dude. For right.
2: Yeah. And he did it in his boxer shorts um, with breath. So it's just, I just found that super fascinating that one, because like everybody else in this world, I've dealt with depression. Right. So to try these breathing techniques, to try these different things and really see some, you know, some real results.
1: You so, tell me you do it every morning?
2: Yeah, I try to do, and you know, it takes about 15, 15 to 20 minutes to do these breath exercises. And it's it's just, you feel good, you feel energized. Um, it's a big form of meditation. Um, it's just, and it's good. It's good for your body. It, it increases, again, in, with the cold therapy, right? Doing the cold showers, uh, like he recommends. You're boosting your immune system. You release cold shock proteins in your blood. Right. That actually will boost your immune system because what you're doing is you're stressing yourself out. It almost goes back to the um, the Jesus thing. Right. You bear your cross. Right. So instead of running from stress, you go to stress voluntarily and that makes you stronger.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy, man. You know, um, I'm going to have a holistic. uh, And alternative medicine guy on uh, soon and we're going to be talking about, you know, Reiki and. hypnotherapy and all this crazy stuff because I told you about the sensory deprivation and oh, yeah. how that's helped me. And again I think you should try it, bro. It's in Castleberry. Uh it's really good and you should try it at least two or three times. I'm going actually this this weekend I'm on Saturday. Um but yeah it's incredible the, what the do what
2: I said yeah that's pretty dope. I definitely want to check it out.
1: Yeah um so it's crazy what the body can do. Um so Uh, Switching the topic and uh, it's going to, you know, with technology, uh, what's your take on the status of crypto at the moment? Since you've been into that and we were into that before the whole blow up and all this this crazy stuff went down.
2: Yeah, like just um, like I was saying before, I always find technology fascinating because I I think of like, um, you know, you even said it at the beginning of the podcast. like, Oh, you're one of the smarter people. I don't even think I'm that smart. I I <laughs> find myself all the time thinking, how the hell do these people come up with this shit? Then I find it fascinating. Then I try to reverse engineer it in my head and try to really understand what the hell's going on. But I think the people that come up with this shit are, are the are the real smart ones, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think crypto's great. I think what it gives is great. And again, disruption. Like we were talking about money. Um, who controls the money? Some pretty powerful families control money, right? Mm-hmm. Our Federal Reserve is not part of the government. The Federal Reserve's, uh, you know, its Private own Privately owned. <laughs> Privately owned, right? And they just create money. They've never been fully audited. Um, you know, so they just pr- print money. They can give it to whoever they want, and they print our money, uh, and they control the money and control the power. And then what cryptocurrency brought is... We can control the money. We can create the money. We don't need anybody else, um, and that's very disruptive and very threatening to a lot of governments. That's why so many governments have like, totally shut it off. Like, you know, in China, you you um, they had all these rules, In Korea they have all these rules. Even here in the U.S., they're they trying to figure out how to tax it in, tax it and outlaw certain things and really try to stop it because. I mean, even you know, you want to send a million dollars to somebody in the UK or you know in China or wherever, you got to go through this bank, through this bank. This guy gets this cut. This guy, or you do it through Bitcoin, and it gets there without giving anybody else any money, um, without anybody else knowing. And it's money that you know we created ourselves on a computer using cryptography. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I just found it fascinating that the idea and um, find it fascinating that we can, you know, try to take some of that power back.
1: Yeah. I remember that story you told me about that, that fire, that firewall you were setting up that one place and then you started getting all these pings off the firewall.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they were mining. Yep. So that, that was another crazy story just, and that's, you know, hackers get into everything. Right. So. They can hack into some, uh, in this case, they had hacked into a big company's server farm and had put crypto farm, you know, crypto miners on everybody's server farm. So they have companies mining crypto for them without them knowing it. Jeez, dude. Yeah, that's, you know, hackers are going to hack. That's what they do.
1: That's wild. Uh, which crypto would you recommend right now at, at the moment with how things are?
2: Bitcoin is the king, right? That's still the monster. Right now, I think it's like eight or nine K. So it's still doing pretty good. Um, but there's a bunch of other, like, I really like Cardano. So Bitcoin is what you would call, like, it was the first, right? The, the Bitcoin white paper changed everything. That's what gave everybody the idea, um, gave everybody the blueprint. And Bitcoin was supposed to just be money. Um, but then you had these, like, next generation cryptos, like Ethereum and like um, Cardano which I really loved, which were the next step. And it's not just about uh, making money, right, on the blockchain. It's about having a global computer, right? So you could have programs on the blockchain. And these programs are tied to, cri- to the cryptography. Um, so that I thought was super fascinating, right? It's like, holy shit. So people are already innovating so where it's not just about money. It's, a, it's bringing some value to people, right? trying to figure out different programs. And where it's really helped, a lot of big companies have taken this um, and used this for different things. One of the cases um, I think I had told you before was the power companies, right? The the whole crazy shit that happens with power companies is when you buy power, how do I know you actually bought this much power? Or how much? How do I know you actually created this much power? The way it used to work was the company created a power, a third-party entity would have to certify that much power was created. And then you had to have another company sell that power. <laughs> right? So yeah. then what what did these guys do? Power, I think it was called Power Ledger. They um, created a, crypt, uh, a crypto, right, that took away all that whole process. So what they did is when a piece of power is created, It gets written on the blockchain. Once something's on the blockchain, it can never be erased. So you take away the need for a third party, right? And then you take away a need for somebody to sell it because it's widely available. You can get it anywhere, right? It's its its own cryptocurrency. So it's a way to do things more efficiently with built-in trust, right? The trust is in the cryptography um, and the programming, right? Uh, And cryptocurrencies, the cryptography and the cryptocurrencies haven't been cracked yet. Um, now they do talk about once quantum computing comes, that can be an issue, right? Because a real quantum computer is just like unfathomable how many numbers and how many things it could crunch to to be able to get that. But as of right now, that cryptography is not, um, not been able to get cracked, right? It's just, it's, uh, I don't know if you know who Diffie Hillman, they were the guys who created, if you ever heard, if you know what like a, a VPN tunnel is. Yeah. They're the ones that there's two guys, Diffie and Hillman, and they created the cryptography that built VPN tunnels. That's why you could have a VPN tunnel, and everything that's in that tunnel is encrypted. You can't be cracked, right? Well, the guys who created that, when they saw the cryptography in cryptocurrencies, they were blown away. There's like interviews with them where they're and they're old men now, and they're like, this is the first time I've been excited in cryptography. Like this is the next level of cryptography. That's this crazy. Is like Coming from beyond. the guys that invented VPNs. Yeah. Wow. So when I hear that shit, I go, holy shit, this stuff is for real. And uh, yeah, that's why I like, so I got in super early with, I made most of my money. I am still doing pretty good, but I, um, I made most of my money on Ethereum uh, because it was that next generation cryptocurrency. Um, I got in on uh, Ethereum when it was like $10 a coin, you know, it's shot up to like $1,800 a coin. And now it's like a buck 70 or, or $200 a coin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I got. But, I got Ethereum right now. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin uh, is still good. Ethereum, Cardano. Cardano's like the same, um, it's the same premise as Ethereum, right? It's building a A a world computer, basically, where you could run programs on the chain, on the blockchain. Um, The thing I like about Cardano is their approach to everything. Um, Where Ethereum has a really smart guy, Vitalik, at the head of it, but they got so big so fast, they, you know, they put things out that weren't ready, right? They, They did different things that, you know, cost them in the long run. Where Cardano started off really, so I think Cardano right now is like five cents a coin, um, so it's still relatively cheap to get into. But the main guy there, Charles Hoskinson, he's taken a totally different approach. Like he's he's his whole thing is slow and steady wins the race. So he wasn't the you know he's trying to get all the freaking PhDs. Even like um, so they use Haskell as one of the programming languages in, in um, Cardano. So he went out and found the guy who invented Haskell, and he has him working on the Cardano project. Damn. you know, like I've never heard he of that a, language. Yeah, and, and it's a pretty, um, like, intense language, supposedly too. Like, not a lot of programmers e- even know it or are good at it. You know, and the ones that are, like, he, you know, he got them, and then he freaking got the guy who invented Haskell. Um, so he he has a lot of good things, and actually, right now, um, Cardano kind of beat Ethereum in the uh staking, right? So the way cryptocurrencies, the new ones worked anyway. So Bitcoin was um um proof of I'm blanking right now, but I know the Ethereum and Cardano are what they call proof of stake. Okay, proof of work. Bitcoin is proof of work. That's where you need miners to create it, right? Mm-hmm. Well Ethereum and Cardano are proof of stake. And one of the great things about that is if you buy Cardano just by holding it, right, you can actually generate, you don't need a mine, right? Really, you can generate your money and yeah, so you're making money just by holding it. You almost make interest. What
1: the it. hell? So you right. don't have to have, the, you know, you don't have to have the machine to solve the blockchain and go from there and then right. be
2: in a pool right. and all that garbage. Because, right. And the reason you had to do that before because it was proof of work. So, the way that, you know, it wasn't broken, right? The way that the when something's written on the blockchain, it's theirs because everybody who's mining it has to confirm that block, right? So it's a proof of work and it, it each miner, right, had to crack that code, you know, crack that and then bam, it's written on the blockchain. Everybody did that. Well, they found this new way, right? Proof of stake where you can do that all without, you know, actually having miners because what they found out with Bitcoin is it's not feasible, Right. You end up now, the the hash is so hard to crack. It's something Cost, like to crack one Bitcoin. Yeah, it costs, costs like more. the electricity. Yeah. yeah. And it costs like the, I think it was um, your electricity for a normal house. Uh, your electric bill for a year is like one Bitcoin. That's crazy. Um, that's how much power it'll use, right? So with the proof of stake, that changes the game. Now that can make that more accessible. And Ethereum has been trying to get to proof of stake. There's still proof of work. Um Cardano has a, whole, a test net out now that's proof of stake. So that's what I'm actually looking at getting into, actually staking my Cardano. That's crazy. So, and, dude. I, and I could go down crazy rabbit holes with that, but yeah. now we're getting you know, my geeky sides coming out.
1: <laughs> so we'll wrap up with this on the topic of technology. Uh what is, and you mentioned quantum computing, and that's a
2: rabbit hole, bro. Uh
1: what is your yeah. view on singularity? Do you
2: believe AI will take over the world. Yeah, I think there's definitely that possibility. (laughs) I think it's almost an inevitability, inevitability, right? I mean, um, and even the Bible talks about this, right? The Tower of Babel. I think that's really what it was talking about. Really? Um, How so? And there's right Um, because if you see like the story, that whole story where it talks about, you know, they thought they can build a tower to reach God, Uh and that everybody would have one language that they know. And they, you know, and he had to tear it down, basically. And if you really think of what the singularity is, they talk about that, how, you know, we won't need to know Chinese or English. Shit will translate automatically. Um, computers will take over, right? They, they'll be smarter. I think uh, Elon Musk has some famous quotes, but he talks about how no matter what we think, no matter what prison we think we could put in. Um, A.I. into or what they would call A.G.I. artificial general intelligence Mm -hmm. uh, is the real scary one. Um, It's going to be smarter than all of us within minutes. Right. So no matter what barriers we think we can put, it will be eventually be able just like chess. Right. No matter if you have a good chess player and and we've seen A.I. kill every chess player.
1: The IBM computer. the, the one that yeah. beat the guy, and you just gave up. He's like,
2: <laughs> Yeah, even go no matter. And we've seen it, and that's narrow scoped AI, that's not AGI, right? No matter our smartest minds, it kills us in a very short amount of time. So, what happens when that gets out, you know? That's so, that's the
1: scary It is scary, and uh, I'm gonna. This is some, some stuff here I'm about to tell you. Uh, so Charles Babbage, I don't know if you know who that is, uh, he he invented the modern day computer and this guy uh, was until some occult shit, right? Occult. As, he wanted to correlate the existence of God through science, right? He wanted to prove the existence of God through science. So he tried to, uh, he didn't believe in the devil. So he tried to summon Satan. Like this is the guy who invented the computer, right? And you can look this up. Uh, so, You know, you have things like QAnon and then you have uh, things like uh, these organizations, CERN, you have D-Wave. And one of the things that blows my mind and how you're talking about how this is inevitable that it's going to eventually happen, like all these movies that you see where the AI gets into the Internet and it starts to just go crazy and go everywhere. Uh, they've talked about how they've made AIs that are sociopaths, like that they're they're uh, psychotic, you know, like they, they show these, these personalities that are like, what, this guy's you know, this thing is psychotic. And, you know, the reason I say that and the reason I bring up Charles Babbage because of the occult, because I do believe in that, I do believe in evil and I do believe that people shouldn't mess with that, is because uh, the guys from D-Wave, Quantum Computing, uh, they talk about how... These computers are so powerful, even the guys at Google, IBM, all these people, they have these computers are so powerful that they actually go and reach into other dimensions to be able to compute the information that they compute. But the problem with that is that they uh, say that by doing this, they're opening portals into our universe and things will come through those portals whether it be good demonic not demonic whatever it's an entity that's coming in through into our universe and this has been said dude you can look this up this has been said and one of the uh, grd rose one of the guys that founded d-wave computers he he compares them to hp Lovecraft's the great old ones and you know the great old ones like oh he's like hey listen they're not going to give a shit about you there's just these beings that might come through uh they're not going to mess with us but just so you know, and people are laughing at him, and he's telling the truth, and uh, it's so scary to me because if you know H.P. Lovecraft's uh, uh uh mythology, uh the, his mythos, these beings aren't good, and he compared them to them. So you get into things like QAnon, how people are talking about how this is a, an artificial intelligent, an AI that's you know finding out all this information, all these predictions, and and talking cryptic and all this stuff, and it's like. They, uh, I forgot where I read it, but they've admitted that supposedly, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, that they had some, that had conjured a demon, and this demon got into uh, computers, into some computer, and it, like it went crazy. Now, if you want to believe that or not, <laughs> you know it is what it is. But there's correlations th- there.
2: <laughs> huh? I love those conspiracy theories. They're always fun rabbit holes to go down, but especially it's when there's crazy. the seed of, you know, holy shit, that could be true. Um, yeah, it could, it could because it could. Like uh,
1: Elon Musk, we yeah. are summoning the demon. He's yeah. even said it.
2: Yep. And I mean, just when you know, we we look at the world, right? We have three dimensions, right? But even science, right? They say like we the reason we can calculate things, the whole reason our cell phones and our GPS, like they calculate stuff into the tenth, eleventh dimension. Like the math works. We just can't pursue those dimensions. Yeah. Yeah, so, Like even really smart scientists, I mean, just look up what are, you know, what are the 11th dimensions in physics or string theory bro,
1: or string theory? Yeah.
2: I mean, you just look at all those different dimensions. You're like, wait, what? There's more than three dimensions. Science is like, yeah. Well, how do you know? Well, we do math. Like everything's numbers, right? We do math. The reason why we can calculate this.
1: The language have a of humanity. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know Nick, nikola tesla talks about that a lot and uh to add to add a little just to add the cherry on top uh www if you translate it to hebrew it's 666 by the way <laughs> which is crazy you know but then web
2: 666 yeah, tower of Babel, yes sir
1: yes sir and they talk about how the internet is another dimension a demonic dimension that, that opens us up to different things whether that's true or not That that's up to you but that's my take on that. And I do believe that we are headed in a way and, you know, approaching that singularity, uh, whether we're already there or not. Uh, you know, you have uh, people like Elon Musk who they want to hook us up to computers and, you know, in it.
2: That's yeah. Neuralink. Yeah, Neuralink, yeah, Neuralink his,
1: his company. And the thing is, uh, in uh, I think in, in another 10 years or so, you'll be able to download your consciousness. And that's scary as fuck because. What is-
2: yeah, I mean, Neuralink <laughs> scares me. Any, I don't know one computer that's ever been one hundred percent safe, not hacked with some type of virus. Like, why the fuck do I want to put that in my brain? Hey, <laughs> you I, know what I'm saying
1: I don't know, dude. But we're we're cyborgs right now. You know, we carry a supercomputer with us at all times. At uh, Any moment in time, I have a supercomputer in my pocket. You know what I mean? So yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, and that's even you know, they say that's brainwashing people. So imagine that shit in your brain. Imagine getting ads spam in your brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, dude, Um, before we wrap it up, dude, any final words? Uh, if you want to throw out your uh, social media again, so people can order some knives from you, check out your EDC tools. They're really, they're, they're different. They're definitely different. And I like it. I love it. Um, so any final
2: words? Awesome, man. Thanks. No, I mean um final words, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. This was fun. I hope you uh find your purpose and your journey. Uh I'm, you know, really digging this stuff. I'll be listening. And uh yeah, again, Macho Blades on Instagram. Come check me out. And uh yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, dude, I had a
1: lot of fun, man. Um Yeah, whenever whenever you want, dude, we can get on and, and just talk shit and have a good time. We we spoke about some some deep stuff there, you know. It was a good conversation.
2: Yeah, all over the place, just like my my hobbies.
1: <laughs> but thanks for being on again, Eddie. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, bud. Take it easy. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you stuck around this long, remember to like, comment, subscribe, whatever it is, share. Follow us on social media at the Juan on Juan Podcast. Shoot me an email if you want to be on the show. If you wanna hear anything, uh if you wanna hear us talk about anything the juan on juan podcast at gmail.com and again like always thank you for the support and until next time